Greetings and welcome to the Above and Not Beneath podcast. I'm Robin Sears, your host, and I'm excited to take you on a journey towards discovery and inspiration. We'll meet extraordinary women who have overcome incredible obstacles, and throughout the series, you'll be uplifted by their resilience and motivated by their unwavering courage as they forge a new path forward. We'll also explore the organizations that support and stand alongside them in their journey. So get ready to be empowered and join us as we dive into the world of these brave women. Uh, So Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today on the Above and Not Beneath podcast. And if you could please just give us a brief overview of uh, who you are personally and professionally. Sure. So um, my name is Tracy Lefebvre, right? And currently um, I wear a couple different hats. Uh, I'm a wife and mom, and I'm also a um, PhD student, and I have my own coaching and neurofeedback uh, business, which is the season in life I am at now. However, my journey uh, did begin um, in not such a same uh, area. Uh, you know, I am one of those uh, individuals who's part of that 4% uh, that lived in poverty, went to college on a Pell Grant, um, struggled uh, through all of that. And as each season um, occurred, which I use season as like accomplishments or, you know, changing of chapters. Uh, there were always ups and downs and struggles and, and everything in between. And yet I think that's what has led me to do what I do. So, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> I love that, Tracy. <laughs> You're so sweet. Like, that's, it. Um, that's, it. that's it. That's it. Yeah. I wear 52 hats, like most women, right? So it right. is the exactly. continual changing of the hats and, and uh, splicing, if you will, right? It's the merging of, you know, yeah. the mom, wife, professional, you know, all the things that we, um, that we as women tend to juggle. Um, I think one of the things that I have really enjoyed in getting to know you is our conversations just really surrounding um, the power of change and mindset and being able to kind of utilize some of those, those things in overcoming uh, distractions and stress. And I, uh, I love um, kind of your thoughts about that, you know, as a, as a coach and a therapist, uh, about some of those um, just techniques maybe that you use with your clients. Yeah, and I think one of the um, big things, um, you know, being a coach with a, with a psychology background and whatnot is for most people, one of our biggest challenges is getting either pushed to the past or pulled to the future, right? So pushing to the past, thinking about all the the roadblocks, what got in our way before, the person we used to be. Um, You know, I spent many years surviving. And when I finally hit sort of flat land, I didn't know what to do. And would end up self-sabotaging because I knew how to get myself out of a hole. I didn't know how to climb a mountain or move forward, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And then the and then the other challenge is getting pulled to the future where you start catastrophizing. Oh no, well if I do this and make this mistake and and then you spiral down. Yeah. So the you know, the power is in the pause and becoming present and you know, can reconnecting with your body in that moment. Um yeah. and you may do it every 10 seconds, but it keeps you on track. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Um, there are uh, some techniques that over the course of the last couple of years as I've been on my journey to understand like how to get to that pause because I mm-hmm. am your worst case scenario girl, right? I am the ruminator or no, no, no. I should say language is important, right? That neuro-linguistic. I was, I'm a recovering ruminator. Rumi- uh, how do you say that? Ruminator. ruminator. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm recovering from that and some of the strategies and techniques that I've learned over the last couple of years and being able to sit in that pause because that is really uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. um, is learning the connection between the mind and the body and the emotional well-being and as much as like I would go into worst case scenario thinking um, I I also was very disconnected from the way I was feeling. So it it took some some education and some some classes and some really um, in-depth conversations with the therapist for me to understand that my my thoughts are driving my emotions. And if I want to change my the way I feel, I have to change my my thoughts. And if I change my thoughts, my emotions, so it's like this kind of trifecta, right? Like this three-legged stool. And um, so I've been doing some work in, uh, it's called positive intelligence and just being able to, to get to center and to just stop and focus on one thing. Okay. It's like, well, how, how does the chair feel underneath me in this moment when I'm starting to feel my mind spin? How does the chair feel? What does the carpet feel like on my toes? What is my breathing doing? And all of those things kind of stop my brain and kind of bring it back into, so I can take a couple of deep breaths and be like, okay, well, I have this pinch in my shoulder. Well, what is that telling me? What is my body trying to tell me right now? And what I have found over implementing this practice, like you said, every 10 seconds, some days, it's like my brain is on fire and I'm like, ah, I can't stop. Um and then some days you might go like a whole day and be like, huh, I didn't have any of those crazy worst case scenario thoughts or uh, beating myself up over something in the past. Um, it's the continual practice, right? It's the everyday implementation of one small thing that can, I think, provide health for the future. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people, I love positive intelligence and and what they teach. I think it's so powerful. And a lot of people are surprised to learn on the side that we actually have, um, you know, billions of neurons in our brain, which is what we kind of think about as controlling our, our mind and everything. And yet we have neurons in our heart and in our gut too. Um, And research shows us this. And so it is, if we learn to listen, right, we can, we can detect, oh, I'm starting to feel 
a little bit of stress. I'm starting to feel anxiety. Maybe it's the shoulders go up. Maybe it's in the chest. Maybe it's the crick in the neck. And then we can stop ourselves and reclaim ourselves in our brain so that we can move forward in a more problem-solving capacity and with less harm to ourselves long-term. Yeah, I think that's so good. And to think about it in like less harm to yourself long-term because all of the studies show like you can't get away from like stress is bad for your health, right? It is like the number one killer. Right. And another thing that people are often surprised to learn is that our minds and our internal systems do not understand the difference between imagined and real. And so, um, you know, like a deer, like think about a deer in the in the meadow, right? If a dog comes along and starts to chase it, cortisol, the stress hormone comes up, maybe some adrenaline, it runs, it gets away from the dog takes a moment, it goes back to eating grass. It's over. But for humans, something happens to us. And right away, we retell the story. So our minds reliving it and we and some of us have very vivid, you know, internal sounds and sights. And so we relive it. And we tell our friend and we tell, you know, this person, we tell that person, every time we do that, we're dumping more stress hormone into our bodies because our bodies don't know the difference. And so that's where that long-term chronic or even toxic stress eventually can take its toll. Mm. Such a powerful reminder because I think about just as, uh, I mean, my children are grown now, so I have um, different parental stress. Like nobody tells you that when your kids are adults, uh, yes. that parenting is still hard, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, that baby phase actually was kind of easy. You just put them in their crib, if <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shut the door. Um, so it's you know it's moving from uh, from that. So they're you know just thinking as a as a parent, like you still kind of take on those things. And um, uh, I was reading an article the other day about just epigenetics and how you know, we can pass on, like if you were you know, under a lot of stress, pregnant, you can kind of pass on some of those generally, generationally, and the way that you, uh, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? I think it's so interesting. Yeah. And so what, what we know through the epigenetics and things like that is that women are, um, we have all of our eggs when we are born, which means In theory, you were in your grandmother, right? And so any of those stresses can impact on the cellular level um, and the more that that cortisol. So it's not only when you're pregnant, but then, like you said, when we come into the world, it changes. And the majority of our emotional reactions to things occur before the age of two, Um, And some, and in some areas, seven. So like, for example, if if you had mice around or, you know, where you lived and every time mom or aunt or somebody in your household saw a mouse and they went, you know, and scream, you're going to naturally do that too, but you may not remember how it happened. Yeah. Right. And so in the work I do, it's really important to sort of 
look at different ages over time and think about what attributes and expectations were put on me and do they resonate now, right? That's the big thing. Um, You know, if somebody labeled you an, an extrovert, but you never felt like an extrovert, and yet you've been carrying that all along, you know, taking that pause and being like, well, wait a minute, am I really an extrovert? Or, yeah. you know, is it an in-between? How, what am I today, you know, is so important. Yeah, that I think that's a great point um, to think about the, just go back, the language is important, right? And the, the things that we speak over other people, um, it, it is impacting. Yeah. You know, and it gets and it builds those, like you were talking about earlier, the neuro pathways, right? So then we start, we have this thinking pattern and this this process. And um, some of those processes were gifted. <laughs> I use the word <laughs> gifted lightly. <laughs> yeah. To us by, you know, our environment when we, you know, how we were raised. Um, but I think, uh, you know, on this journey forward, and you were talking about like, you know, kind of where you started and, and where you are now, like working on your PhD. Um, I am sure that a lot of that is kind of retooling your mind. Yeah. Changing yeah. those, those pathways. Yeah. Changing those pathways and changing, um, you know, like in the journey, you, you set yourself up like, okay, if I, if I take this next step, I'm going to move forward. But just like physical space, our mental space, when you move, you bring yourself with you. Mm-hmm. Unless you do something to change who you are. And so if you've been gifted the journey of, for example, having to operate out of lack, that becomes part of who you are, even if that doesn't resonate with your current environment. And so you end up self-sabotaging because it's the habit of who you are. Um, mm, you know, and, a, yeah. and a, I think a, a way to drive that home is, you know, people who win the lottery generally end up losing it all and then sometimes being worse off because they didn't change their perception of who they are, right? And all of those things are so just intertwined. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a great way to illustrate the point. It is your things have changed for you circumstantially, but you yourself haven't changed. Yeah. Kind of think about that. That makes me think um, last year I lost like 30 pounds and I was super proud of myself. Uh, and then I promptly gained it all back, right? So, um, you know, just uh, I think some of that was just slipping back into old habits. And yeah. uh, I went through a stressful season. And so those old ingrained habits just kicked right back in and made all this change. And then, boom, stress hits. And I have this kind of little pattern that I get into when things kind of aren't um, – uh, like status quo, if you will. And so I, I've like, I've noticed about this. I, it was a great example. I'm like, oh gosh, like I worked so hard. And, uh, and so now I'm like in a season again where it's like, okay, you know, we're not going to do that again. Like, what is it that we need to do um, 
to make that shift. So things, so when stress hits, then I have, like, I've got this tool belt. I've got this tool belt of all the things that I can use to prevent me from being like, it's, you know, it's all stress or nothing, right? Yeah. And Um, that, that brings up for me, right? Change. And I have a conversation a lot about this. Change is a process, not a destination. Quite often, and we're all guilty of it, we'll contemplate what we want to change. And then we jump straight to taking action. And we miss, there's actually another step in the process that has to happen, which is education and, you know, thinking through, okay, well, wait a minute. If I want to lose weight, is this sustainable? What really works for me, not only in the home, but when I'm traveling, when you know, my kids are home sick and now I'm trying to juggle work and take care of the kids. And oh, by the way, now I'm sick, but I'm mom. So I don't get to be sick. (laughs) You know, and how do you, you know, so it has to, you know, we all want to take these big leaps and to have things happen quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I am probably, you know, I am very impatient with myself and yet, you know, in spiraling upward, it's what worked, what didn't work. And oh, by the way, I didn't give myself enough time. Right. Oh, and that's that thing. Yeah. Right. And we live in such an instant gratification world, right? So everything is at the the your fingertips. And yeah. um, but unfortunately, change doesn't happen like that, right? It is like the last standing um <laughs> thing that is uh that hasn't been automated right so it's you know it, it it is something that takes um uh intentional planning is what i hear you're saying it's like you yeah, gotta plan for it mini celebrations right like we um but i like i'll use a gps because i love using that as a as a metaphor but right like if we want to go somewhere we put in the destination and our starting point and then we may have to reroute and we may have to take different roads and that's okay but we can't just put hey i'm leaving this and not knowing where we're going and then the other thing is celebrating along the way because it may take a while to get to that destination but maybe it's you know i made it to mile one i made it to mile two and just just be gracious with ourselves that you know we're changing neural pathways we're it's not simply uh you know get her done button and it magically happens right yeah yeah, that's so good. I love the metaphor of the GPS. And it is, to your point, it's okay that if you have to change directions. And I, I think sometimes, you know, we can get so heads down focused that when you have to, you know, veer off to the right because life happens, then it's, you know, you it's all of a sudden it's like everything is just, just stops, right? Instead of being like, huh, well, that's interesting. I got a little detour here. So now what? Yeah. You know, let's get curious about what does this detour mean for me? What exactly. does this detour mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, for my family or, or what have you to, to go down that path of curiosity instead of like, you know, hands up in the air, panic, like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Um, 
yeah, I think that's something that I'm, I've been trying to like reincorporate into my life because I, I think as a young child, we're innately curious, right? And then life has a way of um, kind of squashing that. Yeah. Um, asking a lot of questions and, and what have you. And it's something that um, that I've noticed that I've gone away from. And so now uh, through some the you know therapy and, and great coaches that I've worked with and, and my own journey of education um, is just the power of curiosity. When we just start asking the question, well, huh, what if? Well, what if I took this right turn? What are the gifts here for me? There's you know, is it knowledge? Is it wisdom? Is it education? Like, what is the gift here for me um, in, in taking this detour, this unexpected opportunity? Yeah, yeah. And and it, what that brings up for me is, um, so one individual that I that I follow and stuff, his name is uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a, a book and one of his saying is, no mud, no lotus, right? So, mm-hmm. which a couple meanings. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is finding those tools that help us navigate life without attachment, meaning it has to happen this way. I have to be this title to be happy. So without attachment, without aversion, like, oh, I would never consider doing this, but also not having indifference, right? Not to be indifferent about what life happened, you know, what's happening in your life, but not be so attached or avoiding something so much that you can't dance in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, You know, and if, if there's one thing that, ideally the pandemic would have taught all of us a little bit is how to dance in the moment because you know what in um you know 2020 anybody who had a five-year plan in 2019 or 2017 or 2015 it was wrong right nobody expected that right and So it's, it's learning how do you, how do you balance staying in the present, but looking forward and having hope and a destination, but then just honoring, you know, what's underneath what, what worked and what didn't work. Cause something always works. It just yes. might not look exactly the way we had hoped. Yeah. I love that. Um, Tracy. So let's talk a little bit about reflection. Cause I think that's a game changer. And you just kind of touched on it a little bit there. Yeah. So, you know, reflection, reflection is hard, right? And it's especially hard to do by yourself. Um, And it can be hard to do even with friends and family because they, they have a bias. They have your best interest at heart. And yet, if you can take time to pause and like I said, reflect on, hey, so that was a really crappy day, right? For example, but but what worked and what didn't work and for those things that didn't work out, was there anything that was in my control or was it 
out of my control. Right. And then how do you, you know, and then just learning to accept it. Accepting isn't agreeing, right? A lot of people are like, no, no, it's like, no, no, no. Accepting is not agreeing with, it's not condoning. It's not, you know, that, but it's like, okay, right now the mortgage rates are super high and I'm going to honor that and decide I'm not going to move forward with buying a house for a little while and I'll see what happens next. Right. And it's, it's that dance again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, uh, years ago I did a reflective exercise where I just kind of journaled through, um, really significant periods of time in my life and, thought about, uh, just kind of really wrote down some of the, the traumas that, that occurred in that. And then went back through, it's like, where were the gifts here? What were the opportunities here? What did I learn? And when I got to the end of that exercise, which by the way, I say it like it was super easy. It took five minutes. It, it wasn't easy. It, never does, it right? was like yeah. blood, sweat, and tears. It took me, you know, weeks to get through it. But by the time I went back through and pulled out, um, you know, what did I learn here? I thought, gosh, if I hadn't been through that, if I hadn't gotten divorced, if I hadn't been a single mother, if I hadn't lost a job, if I hadn't, you know, lost a parent, you know, if I hadn't gone through all of those things, I wouldn't have learned resilience. Right. You know, I became really just uh, a girlfriend of mine said, she said, you robbing me of moxie. And I love that word. I'm not entirely sure what it means, but um, she's like, you've got moxie. And so I, I take that, interpret that to be like, it's a positive thing, right? Like you tend to be um, a fighter. Like you uh, you can see, you know, okay, like I am not going to allow this situation, this circumstance to de- number one, define me. And I'm not going to let it hold me back. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It, it helps you, right? It helps you learn all of those things. And it's only through that reflection, taking that time to look back. And, and yet there yet generally needs to be some space, right? The wound yeah. can't be be fresh. It's, it's be gotta, fresh. It's got to be healed over a little bit to yeah. sometimes see those gifts. Um, and it gives us the opportunity to be the leader, the partner, for somebody else that we wish was there in mm. those moments, right? Yeah. And and um, but yeah, that activity that you're describing is so powerful. And you know, like you said, that journey, it sounds so simple on paper, and yet it's it's not yeah. because we want to do that dance where we can get to we're observing ourselves mm-hmm. from the eye and the what society perhaps put on us or we agreed yeah. without reliving it, without being back in that trauma um, because we don't want that stress hormone running through our veins again. Again, right? yeah. And I think what I have noticed since then um, in my in my mind, when I think about, um, like, if I think about one of those, and, and I start to kind of um, take it back, right? Like, I look at it as like I put down this piece of luggage, yeah. 
And then, you know, maybe you have a conversation with somebody who knew you then and you might start to like get amped back up. And I, in my mind, I think about, well, I'm picking up this 50 pound suitcase again. Right. And so then it's like, do I want to pick up the suitcase and feel all the things that I've already put down? I've learned the lesson from this. Well, you know what? I don't think I do. I think I want to leave this bag where I left it on the road about 50 miles back because it's it's not serving me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads to sort of the whole conversation about resilience. Right. Mm -hmm. And resilience is, you know, that that middle piece, right, where where we can handle all that. But being truly resilient doesn't mean that you never get knocked into picking up that suitcase, right? What it means is you picked up the suitcase for a moment, not for three years, Right. Right. And and you have those tools, that awareness of like, oh, wait a minute. I've I've fallen out of the resilience zone. Yeah. What what's what's changed? What is my body trying to tell me? What is you know, what are those signals so that I can readjust my course? Mm, Yeah. Getting back on course. It's just do I want to take this left hand turn or not? Yeah. You know, and sometimes, you know, when I work with clients, I tell them, you know, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes you may just need to swim in it a little bit longer because you thought you left that suitcase 50 miles behind and you didn't realize it was still stuck in the, you know, on the bumper or something kind of bouncing (laughs) around behind you. And, and so maybe, maybe it is, maybe it is, feeling all the feels because you suppress them versus working through them. Yeah. Again, having that support, knowing what you need to be successful. Um, and, and then being able to be like, okay, I'm ready to, to do this again. Yeah. Ready to do it again. Yeah. I think you're talking about um, support and I think about, just as my journey progressed, you know, being a, a single mom and, you know, and I didn't enter the workforce until I was in my mid thirties. And so I was sort of like behind the eight ball, so to speak. And um, if I hadn't had the support of some really great friends who literally, you know, like took my kids off the bus and started homework, right? That kind of practical support, but also the support in the kind of the accountability and and the truth tellers mm-hmm. um, to help kind of that forward momentum and a, a great therapist and, you know, uh, and, and my faith. So, you know, those support systems are incredibly important. And you talked earlier about um, being able to be that support for someone else going through, going through something hard and mm-hmm. to be able to pay it back. Well, and, you know, just sending, you know, some personal experience, like I became toxically independent, not by choice, but by happenstance. Right. And people are like, but it's good to be independent. It's like, yes. And right. There's independence. And then there's toxic independence where you just think that you can handle the world on your own. 
And I will never forget the moment. It was when one of my, so both my, my kids are, our kiddos are complex, right? They both have neurodiversity, um, the whole kinds of things going on there. My husband used to travel all the time and we were at this sporting event and, you know, it was, it was, it was chaos. It was my chaos, but it was, you know, a chaotic <laughs> moment. And I remember the moment this mom turned to me and said, oh, so are you struggling with da 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 And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, honey, me too. And her kids were a couple years older. And she's like, I get it. And in that moment, just knowing there was somebody else who got it, didn't necessarily solve anything, but just made that feeling of alone, you know, like I wasn't alone. Someone else knew it and they had already started swimming forward out of it, you know? And so that became a very, very impactful moment, you know, for me to be like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I don't need to do all of this alone. Beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing, right? And it's such an encouragement to think, you know, those, the young moms at the grocery store whose kids are freaking out and it's like, oh, honey, I have been there. I had a lady apologize to me yesterday at the library. Her adorable little kids were, I mean, just hopping, you know, like not causing a ruckus or anything. And like, I don't care. Like, I, you know, I think it's, I thought it was so cute. And she's like, I am so sorry. I'll just apologize to all of us. And I just laughed. I said, for what? <laughs> like, for what? Like they're, they're just being kids. They're just being kids. And, and, you know, they grow up too fast and this is a a moment to embrace. And I think, you know, part of it, whether you're a parent or you're not a parent, you know, we as a society are so under chronic stress and we don't necessarily lean into the boring basics. And so by the time we're at the end of the day, our willpower is gone because our brains are tired and we're not our best selves. And, but yet we're carrying this burden that we have to be that a student. Yeah. When sometimes C, which is average is okay. It's good enough. Yep. Good enough. It's good enough. Yeah. And I love that. Just the, um, it's the presence, right? So it's the presence over the perfection. And if we can let this idea of perfection go, which we're inundated with, like social media and all the junk and all, you know, I guess in some ways it's a necessary evil, right? If you want to grow a business, you have to be on social media and well, like all the things kind of makes me sick, but but because of there's been damage done there, right? So we have this idealized, uh, you know, micro glimpse into a split second and, and, and how we internalize that. And I think that's another part, just kind of come back to being present. It's like, well, what is true for me? Well, what is true for me right now is that life is chaotic, right? My, my kids are a mess. I've got laundry all over the place. I, you know, work is a challenge. Um, and, and you know what, that's okay because that's just the season and I'm going to just be present in the season. Yeah. And, you know, and, and if, if there's a change you want to make, it's just picking one thing. What's one thing. Really thing. Maybe it's the dishes are done every night. Okay, fine. 
Yep. And, you know, eventually that'll, that'll get easier and, and something, you know, else can then bubble up as the, the one new thing that yes. happens. Right. But it's so easy to get overwhelmed in the, you know, in the day to day. Yeah. And it kind of just thinking back about what we were talking about change. So it's the one small thing, like you said, it's okay. It's the dishes. Well, they stack, right? New habits can stack. Yes, exactly. So it's the dishes stack, and then maybe it's the laundry or the yep. making of the bed, whatever that is for you in your life. It's those small incremental changes, just repeated over time, that we yeah. don't want to give ourselves time. Right. Exactly, time and the grace to honor. There's information and knowledge and then there's thinking right like where i grew up and and things like that you know there was this this dissonance because you would hear oh to be healthy you have to you know eat salads and all these fresh fruits and vegetables and you know things like that and you know one of my big things still today is I could go to McDonald's and buy a dollar hamburger. Where can you find a dollar salad? Yeah. Right. But you still have to eat and you still have to at least give yourself some nutrients. So, so maybe the challenge is, is, okay, how do I balance? How do I budget having a piece of fruit a day? Right. Again, just moving toward that, but not, not internalizing that you're less than, because you can't live up to best standards. That doesn't mean that you're not worthy. It, you just need to do things a little different. What are the best standards that work with your reality? Yes, yes, your reality. Yeah, mm, that is so good, Tracy. So if you could offer maybe one piece of, I know as coaches, we're not supposed to give advice, right? But um, <laughs> one uh, bit of, uh, of uh, words of wisdom just to other other women out there juggling all the things, what would it be? So, yeah, I think, well, one is hard. I think, I think there's a couple that are very impactful. It's one, having some self-compassion and grace. And two, I am very body oriented. And it's thanking our bodies every night, which sounds sort of like what? And it's like, yet thanking you for getting yourself through that day. Yeah. Right. And just taking that moment and being like, hey, how you doing? Oh, your shoulders are up in your ears. Well, wait a minute, let me, let me take a breath and put them down because, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you want to have the body to enjoy the steps forward you've made. Mm-hmm. And that's, an, so that, that would be my one thing. It's like every night, just thank yourself for making it through the day. Yeah. You did a, you did a hard thing again and you survived, right? Yeah. 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 You know, Our bodies are strong and resilient. We just kind of take them for granted sometimes. There are. And just, just one more little, little analogy, if that's okay. Of course. Is remembering there was, and I forget 
I'd have to look it up, but there was an educator who was trying to turn around um, a class because the class that she was assigned in a under, um, you know, it, not a great area and, and things like a struggling area academically. Um, when she would give tests and quizzes, let's say it was a 10 question quiz, she would hand back the quizzes and be like, you know, Robin's test to write. Mm-hmm. And the kids were like, well, wait a minute. At first you, this is, you wrote to write, but it's supposed to be, I got eight wrong. Yeah. And she's like, but you got to write. So what if next time you got three right? Powerful. And so when we can focus on what we are getting right, it gives us hope that we can do one more thing in the right direction. But if we focus on the eight wrong, where do you go from there? That is, that is pivotal. You know, and that goes back to the thinking every day. Like you said, like, yeah, it was a hard day, but you know what? I had matching socks <laughs> or, or not. <laughs> you know, it was right. like, I did it. I did that one thing that I considered right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Gosh, I think, of, yes. So many applications for that analogy, Tracy, and that's going to stick with me for a long time. Well, good. Cause it's, you know, we, we, it's our society and that's what we're born to do because it keeps us safe to think about what could go wrong. Yeah. And yet it's what could go right that moves us forward. Yeah. Let's move forward, right? Together, collectively, lifting others, yeah, yeah. moving forward. Well, Tracy, it has been such a a pleasure to see you again. And I know I'll see you again in a couple of weeks, but um, I am just so grateful for your time today. And if people want to find out about your coaching business, can you just Mm -hmm. tell us where to find you? Yeah. So the, probably the best way is to go to my website, which is um, ready for reboot. So it's R E A D Y F O R and then reboot R E B O O T um, dot com. Awesome. And we will put that in the show notes as well. Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. There were so many great takeaways from my conversation with Tracy, and I am just going to implement, I think, several uh, several things. And one thing I think that I may try to be more aware of is just recognizing uh, those around me who might need a word of encouragement Um, because I think I love Tracy's example of the mom who turned around to her and just said, oh gosh, are you struggling with, you know, X, Y, Z? I was there, you know, a couple years ago, I promised things get better. It's a powerful, pivotal statement. And she remembered it all these years later, it left a mark. And I think we forget sometimes that those simple words of encouragement can really impact someone who maybe is having a moment and it's an opportunity to uplift someone else. And also, I think uh, for me, just um, you know, the, the end of the night reflection of, you know what, I did these couple things right today. I could have done maybe a couple things better, but you know what, I'm going to have some empathy and self-compassion uh, for myself today. 
And in that empathy and self-compassion that I'm offering myself, you know, maybe tomorrow I can offer that same empathy and self-compassion to someone else who maybe looks like they're having a rough time. Greatly appreciate Tracy's uh, words of wisdom and encouragement. And I will link uh, her website to the show notes. She is a wealth of information and a fantastic coach, and she does um, biofeedback. So if that is something that you are looking for, I would highly recommend you checking her out. And um, as always, go forth and be blessed and have an incredible rest of your day. Thanks for joining the Above and Not Beneath podcast.